man, we are live and not so local. We're down here in Naples, and I'm digging the world that we're living in. But Indiana basketball with a big win. The world is just better when IU wins. We're also going to talk about Michigan still playing the race card. What are they talking about? Dion is a buyer, apparently. He wants older guys on his team because he's trying to win now. We got Armando talking about Aaron Rodgers is pissed at the Jets. This thing's spinning off the rails. Don't have me starts right now. Ladies and gentlemen, I got a script here, but I got to go off script. That's right. And by the way, tomorrow when you see me, this will be golden brown because well, I'm going to get my thong out and go to the beach and everybody's going to stunningly look at me and go, whoa. Anyway, uh, we got a monster for you today. But before I get into Michigan and all the nonsense that they are all about, I got to talk about something. And that is my Indiana Hoosiers going into Ann Arbor yesterday and belly whopping Michigan, Michigan basketball needs a Kobe, whatever his name is, Stallions. They need a sign stealer. They need something. Indiana went in there and got a great performance from a bunch of people and beat the Wolverines. And anytime that happens, it is time to celebrate because, well, frankly, Michigan sucks. And I'm a little pissed about Michigan in all sports, even though I did pay a lot of money to send my son there. And he had a great experience with Mo Wagner and the rest. But Michigan football is doing Michigan football things. And I'm not happy about it. Are you America's team or is it Michigan against everyone? I don't know the answer to this, but Blake Quorum, the running back, is all a Twitter. Because Blake Quorum, who's very good, by the way, uh, he says he and his team already have a chip on their shoulder. Well, they should. Of course they should. Uh, they have a chip that they've had for most of the year going into the college football playoff while saying that he and the rest of the team have been able to steady the ship, the rocky waters after Harbaugh's suspension. Well, he's right. And I will give them great credit for that. No, I really will. Like, I don't feel sorry for him. And if they came out tomorrow and said that Michigan needs to be away from the college football playoff, like my face needs to be away from this camera, then I'd say you're right. But the fact of the matter is this. Don't give me this crap about Michigan's America's team. Don't give me this crap about Michigan against everyone, which is, are you America's team? Then you're not against everyone and everyone isn't against you. But I'll give them credit for fighting through adversity. And this is what Blake Quorum, who seems like a great kid, fighting through adversity all year, not having our head coach for six games, our linebacker coach fired, getting slayed by the media. But we stood together as a team and as a unit. And we were able to overcome the adversity and staying solid Threw it up. Well, he's not wrong about that. No, he's not. But don't act like, hey, look, our head coach was wrongfully suspended. Of course he wasn't. I mean, look, his own school suspended. Now, think about that for just a second. You can't be a victim if your own school says, ah, yeah, man, we uh, we got to suspend this clown. He's a cheat. You can't be a victim if your own league with a new president or commissioner says, yeah, we got to suspend this guy because, well, he's a cheat and a liar. And he hired a guy to steal signs and do all this illegal stuff, and they fought it. And when they came in to meet with the Big Ten, they immediately walked out and said, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you can't do that. Uh, he also, Quorum, said this, the team, the team we have right here, I don't believe 
We need the extra motivation. We already have a chip on our shoulder. It didn't need to come from the media calling us all types of names or coach getting suspended or anything like that. I feel like we're always felt, like I've always felt. It's always been Michigan versus everyone. And I think that's the way we train. That's our motto. That's our mindset. I should be. Good. Because it is. Look, America can handle a lot of things, but America isn't too keen on cheats. Just not now. We got one in the White House. We understand that. We got one all over the place in business. We understand that. But in our sports operation, we're not big on cheats. There's a lot of people that don't like Tiger Woods because they feel like he cheats. Patrick Reed in golf is considered a cheat. He is universally disliked. The only lovable cheat that I can remember really was Jerry Tarkanian, the towel-chewing coach for UNLV back in the 90s. People kind of liked him because he looked like Yoda. And he didn't seem like a threat. I think you're right, Blake Form. I think it is Michigan against everyone. And frankly, in the modern Big Ten, it may change next year. Michigan and everyone means nothing. The only thing Michigan versus means is Penn State and Ohio State because every other team that you played all year wasn't any good. Now, you beat those two teams. Good for you. Your coach has been proven to be a cheat and, even worse, a liar, which is actually worse. So, look, there is no sympathy. Sympathy is between shit and syphilis in the dictionary. It just is. I have no sympathy for Michigan. I don't want to hear about Michigan. And, frankly, I hope, like hell, Alabama uh, beats them. And you know who else hopes Alabama beats them? The college football committee. Because there is no chance in hell that when they sat around, the more I got thinking about this, the more I came to this conclusion. I've said this before. I'll say it again. I'll never stop saying it. Those are human beings in the college football playoff room, committee room. These are human beings. And not one of these guys, I looked at who was on the committee, and it does include Ward Manuel, who is the athletic director at Michigan, that did have to suspend his coach, that I have been told really wanted to fire Harbaugh, because Ward Manuel is a Michigan man of the utmost. He played there when Michigan men meant something. He played there when there was actually some dignity to the football program. Now, this clown right here is just a dirtbag. That's just a dirtbag. And that's not how Michigan wants to go about, period. So, having said that, Michigan, the, the, the college football playoff committee said, yeah, look, if we put Florida State in there at four, Michigan's going to beat Florida State. These guys are smart guys. These guys know what time it is. So let's put Alabama in there. We think Alabama's one of the top four teams. We'll take the hits for a couple of days. And next thing you know, Alabama will beat Michigan. It'll be the highest rated game we've ever had. It'll be the best game of the year. It'll be the most anticipated game of the year. We've got a month to prepare for it. Let's do that. And personally, if I were in that room, I'd probably go along with it. I'd probably say, yeah, you're damn right. You're damn right. Because I don't want Michigan. I don't like cheats being rewarded. And remember this, and I just said this on Charlie's show. Cheating is not a victimless crime. It's like steroid use. Hey, I'm not doing steroids in the minor leagues. My roommate does. My roommate ends up being the damn home run champ in the bigs, making millions, and I'm selling insurance at Allstate. 
Yeah, cheating ain't victimless, ladies and gentlemen. And what Harbaugh and his crew did ain't victimless. Cost people jobs. And I don't blame every coach in America for being upset about it. All right. Speaking of upset about it, like I like Nick Sirianni. Nick Sirianni's like that completely out of his mind. Man, my team against everybody. Do you know who Nick Sirianni is? He's the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Nick Sirianni was kind of a nondescript assistant here in Indianapolis. And I guess his number came up, like Eric Bieniemy seems to, that in the hierarchy of assistant coaches, Nick Sirianni was the next guy to get a head coaching job. And he got it with the Philadelphia Eagles. And he's done a terrific job. But he's like that guy that just keeps yelling. When he came to Indianapolis uh, and he beat, he, well, the Eagles beat the Colts. Sirianni went into the crowd in India and said, this is for, for fired Frank Reich. This is for Frank Reich. Shut up, Nick Sirianni. So Nick Sirianni's yelling at fans. I like, I do. He went from nondescript guy to the poster child for being a maniac in the NFL. And the NFL needs more maniacs. The NFL has become too touch football-y for my taste. Maybe not for your taste, but for my taste. So long story short, the other day, big fat guy. Secure, there are two people you can always tell on the side. One, strength coach. Like, I'm starting to look like strength coach with this bald head. If I grow a Fu Manchu and I look stern all the time, I could be a strength coach. You can tell a strength coach from here to the hippest, coolest 70s bar, not 70s in terms of music, but age 70s and over in downtown Naples. That's right. So here's the deal. You got big fat guy. Big fat guy named Big Dom DeSandro. Some big Italian. I'm sure he tries to act like he's connected. I'm sure he's running numbers for the mob. So this fat ass security guy, that is hired by the Eagles for some reason is on the field side of the sideline. You got the field side in front of the players and you've got the fan side behind the players on the sideline. So somehow, some way this clown and he is a clown is on the front side of the security of the players. Well, he gets into it with so ridiculous. Dre Greenlaw, a linebacker uh, for the 49ers. He starts yapping. Greenlaw takes a little poke at him and gets kicked out. It's ridiculous. Well, it's not ridiculous because NFL officials suck. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. Having females, having uh, minorities, and having younger replace experienced officials, both black and white, is ridiculous. And we're all catching the brunt of it because NFL officiating sucks. But long story short, the NFL officials in this case didn't realize you're throwing a player out over the actions about fat-ass Big Dom. So where does Sirianni come into this? Well, he comes in as the hot-headed, crazy person. Dom is as good as they get in the business. Really? Okay. I'm so thankful for him. He's going to always try to defuse situations. Okay. That's what he does. That's his job. Clear, Obviously unfortunate. I know it. In Dom's heart, he was truly trying to defuse the situation right there. I'm sad that it came to what it came to, that anyone got thrown out of the game. That's Sirianni on the old fat Italian standing there, Big Dom. Like, Big Dom is a cliche. Big Dom is like every guy in the mob that's called, like, Fat Tony. 
Big Dom is a horrible cliche. Big Dom is a cartoon character. Big no. Big Dom's fat ass, when he was younger, I'm sure he was a bully. I'm sure he could never play anything dead. I'm sure he always had an excuse. I'm, I'm going to eat sausages. Sausages. Big Dom was always the big guy. I'm sure that was a little batch. I knew him my whole life. And they go up to do security. I do security. Yeah, shut up. You're just a fat guy on the sideline in a hat. And that gets in. See, I got respect for players. And Big Dom's fat ass should not be in front if he's a security guy. Big Dom, look at this fat piece of you know what. Get in behind. I hate people. I don't hate. I dislike people like that. What is he doing on this side? What is he doing on the player field side? Tell me. What's he doing? He should be behind the team, helping be the security guard for the fans up here. He shouldn't be, player-wise, taking a poke at a player. He should be banned forever. It won't happen because nobody wants to insult anybody. But that guy should never be on the sideline of an NFL game again, ever. What? Look at this. This picture alone eliminates this fraud from ever being on a sideline again. So look at this guy. Yeah, I know. You're really tough. And, and Sirianni bows up because he's next to Big Fat Don. Stop it. So Shanahan, the coach of the 49ers, is rightfully pissed off. I tried my hardest not to lose my mind. Hopefully, I didn't embarrass myself too badly. I just can't believe that somebody not involved in a football game can taunt our players like that and put their hands in our guy's face. He ain't wrong. This is what I'm saying. How is it possible that some big, fat dom gets to do that? Point, taunt, put, he should be fired immediately. He should be banned from ever being on an NFL field. If you did that, if you did that in a game, you'd be banned. Hell, Ridley Field banned the guy for doing this, whatever this is supposed to mean. I see Steph Curry do this all the time. But Ridley Field, they banned the guy for doing that. And this posh, who wasn't tough, I guarantee, I know these guys. I guarantee you, the coach screwed me, man. I, you guys think, and there's 350 million people in the United States, but you guys think we're all so different. No, 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 no. I grew up knowing that guy right there, Big Dom. And Big Dom was soft as a kid, nice guy, big heart, but soft as a kid. And now he's in security. It's like when I had a, a NFL leading tackler on my show named Pat Anger of the Colts. And Pat Anger came at me on Twitter after he was done playing. I said, let me guess, Pat Anger, middle linebacker from Iowa. You don't really have a job. You train kids. You are, you're a trainer. You're a weight coach. Of course he's a weight coach. Guys can't do nothing else. Hey, big fat Dom. 
Let me guess. Let me close my eyes and get my crystal ball. You're in security. It's so easy. Oh, man, it's so stinking easy. It's like that coach that acts like a tough guy. I remember Kevin Stallings at Vanderbilt said he was going to – told it was one of his players who was acting like a jerk. I'll kill you. I remember thinking – I played against Kevin Stallings when he was in college. He wasn't tough then. So now he's tough? You guys crack me up. You guys just – it just cracks me up. All right, Richard Sherman, he of the break-ins in his wife's house and all the other stupid stuff. He lost his mind on power conferences during a fiery rant. I'm going to read this here. Saying he has a huge problem with the undefeated Seminoles missing the college football playoffs. Meanwhile, the voice of reason, Sir O.J. Simpson, he has no issue with it. Now, he's got none. He's got no issue with Florida State being left out. Now, I don't know whose side I'd rather be. I think Richard Sherman's a jerk. I, ever since his deal with um, Aaron Andrews, where he lost his mind, and every white guy reporter had to preface it, well, Richard Sherman didn't do right, but he's really smart. That was during the era where you couldn't criticize an African-American for anything, even acting like an idiot on national TV. Well, he's really smart. Now, he went to Stanford. Our, our little white guys, Doyle and the rest at the Indy Star, couldn't defend him enough because they were afraid to be labeled a racist. Get labeled a racist waking up in this day and age. Hey, I slept last night on a bed. That's racist. I exercised today. Oh, you're a conservative. You're a hateful conservative because you're going to go exercise. They shut up. But anyway, when, when O.J. Simpson is the voice of reason, when O.J. Simpson is the man, you got a problem. All right. Let's hear from, remember, Richard Sherman, even though he's an idiot all the time, got drunk, broke into his wife's house, all this kind of stuff. Uh, but he, he got into Stanford because we're afraid to criticize an African-American. I'm not. He's an idiot. Let's hear from the idiot. This is what's wrong with college sports, and this is why I don't watch it. I, I don't watch it. I, I think it's BS because regardless of how a team performs, College used to be about the underdog story, about pageantry, about amateurism, and, and hey, the, any team at any given time can win the game or have a chance at a national title, and it doesn't matter as long as you go out there and compete. Now it's become politics. It's nothing but politics. It's always been politics, you idiot. I mean, who do you think determined the national championship before we got a college football playoff? The AP poll, the coaches poll, determined the national championship, you dumbass. I mean, uh, I mean, you don't understand it? I mean, that was just words of a fool. It used to be about pageantry. It's never been more about pageantry. But what are you talking about? I mean, it's never been more about pageantry. Go to the Alabama-Tennessee game. The lights flash on and off. Bands. Pad what is he talking about? I mean, we really let stupid people on television in the name of diversity. We really do. We let people talk on television that literally have no idea. I mean, we really do. And, and, and I, if, if that got into Stanford, I would have to ask how. Uh, how? I mean, uh, you, you know, uh, how? how? How did that get into Stanford? It used to be about pageantry. Really? 
No, it's political. Really? You think? I mean, you don't think in the 90s when Georgia Tech was granted half a national championship, uh, you don't think that wasn't about politics? See, when stupid people get hired because of diversity, they're always going to say stupid things. Like Richard Sherman got hired, and then Richard Sherman went out, got drunk, broke into his wife's house. We don't care about that. He's not even interested. He's not even close to interested. He's just stupid. It's about politics now. So Richard Sherman doesn't watch football. Well, I think that's more of an endorsement about football. I think that's a big-time endorsement because, well, I got to tell you, college football has never been watched by more people. But this dummy who doesn't understand pageantry, I'm going to say a word, pageantry. This clown doesn't understand that college football has always been about politics. Always. Always. So you put a bunch of dudes in the room, get a bunch of old, old white guys that used to come. You got a couple diversity dudes in there. You got you got a lady in there. It's a total committee of all kinds of different people. And this is what they came up with. But now it's being political, Richard? Now? Oh, okay. I got to tell you, son, it's been political for a long, long time. No different than the NCAA tournament selection committee. No different than the AP poll. No different than the coaches poll. No different than the USA Today poll. No different than anything in this world. It's political. But Richard Sherman found a new word, pageantry. <laughs> Jesus. All right, let's hear from the voice of reason, O.J. Simpson. Well, college made their choices uh, I, pretty much the way I thought. I, I knew Michigan and Washington would be in. I thought Texas was a cinch to be in. It would have been hard to put uh, uh, as great as uh, Georgia's been over the last few years. It would have been hard to put them in front of uh, Alabama. This team went undefeated in their conference, and I'm sure the only reason Florida State didn't get in is that they lost their quarterback. Well, yeah. I mean, see? See? There you go. Yeah. O.J. Simpson, the voice of reason. Pageantry. Richard Sherman. Does he work for Fox? I don't even know. My God. How do you get into Stanford? Oh, man. Dan Orvlosky had an interesting take. Uh, this goes to, to Luke Hol Hold on. Hang on. Real thing. Hang on. Let me set it up. Look, here's the deal. Lou Holt said this famously. The team you have today isn't the team you had yesterday and isn't the team you have tomorrow. Now, Orvlosky has a take that basically says Florida State's team as currently constructed didn't go undefeated the entire year. Now, I'm going to tell you, at first when I heard it, I thought, well, that's kind of stupid. And then when I start thinking about it, in a way, he's right. So we're going to listen, and then I'm going to tell you my thought on what Orvlosky really had to say. There you I go. I think to understand Coach Norvell's emotions is a very real thing. This is not okay. It's not this, – this doesn't make it right in their eyes. But we have to stop saying 
that this Florida State team went undefeated, undefeated as a Power 5 conference champion. This team did not. The team two weeks ago with Jordan Travis did. This is a different football team. The two. Okay, so here's what he's saying. He's saying that without Jordan Travis, it's a different football team. But it did go undefeated without Jordan Travis. It did. I mean, you can say, I get what he's trying to do. He's trying to be clever. He's trying to be Dan Orlovsky. I've become the smartest guy in the room with my skinny jeans and my little F-boy haircut. I get it. I do. But the truth of the matter is, you look at it two ways. You can look at it as Florida State as a whole, or you can look at it as the last two games. But either way you slice it, Florida State went undefeated. I mean, that's the way it is. They went undefeated with Jordan Travis as the quarterback, and they went undefeated with the second-string and third-string quarterbacks. They just did. They haven't lost a game with either. Now, if you're going to parse what he says, it's two-and-a-half games undefeated and another eight-and-a-half, or nine-and-a-half, excuse me, with Travis. Well, either way, it's undefeated. So I get, like, Orlowski's trying to be, like, he's skinny jean millennial guy that I guess now people take seriously because he's on TV. And I get his point. The team you had yesterday isn't the team you have today. It isn't the team you have tomorrow. I do. I get it. I understand it. I do. But the truth of the matter is they went undefeated with both. Do I think they should be in the college football playoff? Hell no. I think the committee absolutely got it right, and I think the committee showed a big set on them to get it right, because they could have easily acquiesced. They could have easily said, hey, look, this is what we're doing. We're going to give in because they were undefeated. They didn't, and I respect it. All right, Aaron Rodgers is not happy. Aaron Rodgers went from being Mr. Jet. Every time back in the summer after Aaron Rodgers signed with the Jets, what did we see? We saw Aaron Rodgers courtside in a Jets hat. We saw Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, and more Aaron Rodgers. And it wasn't just the vaccinations. It was him talking about and promoting the Jets. Now, Aaron Rodgers is crap. There was a leak that said, hey, look, Zach Wilson doesn't want to play. Zach Wilson is going to have to be convinced to go back to being the starting quarterback. That leak went to the New York media and all the big sausage-eating Gian Greco or Don Guy Greco or whatever these guys' names are, can't wait to be idiots about it because that's what they are. They're never played, never coached morons. But anyway, so the leak goes. Rodgers not happy. Interesting sidebar to this, the starting quarterback, Tim Boyle, gets oust, cut, gone yesterday. That's interesting because a lot of people are saying, yes, there was a leak about Zach Wilson, true or false. Rodgers thinks it's false, and we'll get to him in a minute. But all of a sudden, the starting quarterback in the last two games gets the boot. Moral of the story, don't piss Rodgers off if you're with the Jets. You can piss Rodgers off if you're with someone else, but don't you think about pissing Aaron Rodgers off. Here's what Rodgers had to say, when you use sources, whether intentional or unintentionally, try to assassinate someone, someone's character, 
like that report does for Zach. I have a real hard time with that. You're basically saying this kid is quitting on the team and doesn't want to play and is giving the middle finger to the organization because that's what it sounded like. It did. It sounded like Zach Wilson was saying, look, I ain't going out there again. I went out there. I gave it a shot. You all didn't support me. You're all benching me, and I'm done with it. Well, that may or may not actually have happened. It may have been leaked because it happened. It may have been made up. I really don't know. So here's more from Aaron Rodgers. What is your impetus? What is your motivation to try to bury someone like that? And that's a problem with the organization. You know, we need to get to the bottom of wherever this is coming from and put a stop to it privately because there's no place in a winning culture where, and this is not the only time, there have been a bunch of other leagues. I think it's chicken blank at its core, and I think it has no place in a winning organization. Man, is Aaron Rodgers right about that? Look, I always go back to this. The great Brad Stevens, great when he was at Buffalo. The great Brad Stevens said to me when I asked him about getting Butler to two straight national championship games, the great Brad Stevens said, you know, the key was we had everybody in the building, everybody on campus moving in the same direction. Janitors, baseball coach, football coach, assistant coaches, academic people, fundraising people, secretaries, administrative assistants, you name it. Everybody, there was no place for anybody that wanted to complain, leak, bitch, whine, and moan. No place. None. Zero. Zip. Well, think about the Jets right now and think about what Aaron Rodgers is saying. Now, let me back up a second. I'm sure this is the same in your organization. Everybody on this show seems to be moving in the same direction, whether it's both Knicks, it's Dylan, it's Ryan, whether it's Aaron, whether it's Gary. Everybody seems to be pushing forward, and eventually this show will become the best show that, well, the most watched, it's already the best because we're unfiltered and we're unafraid. But the fact of the matter is the Jets aren't. So everybody can point to Aaron Rodgers being out as the reason the Jets aren't very good. In fact, you can make the argument they are the Iowa, they and the New England Patriots are the Iowa of NFL offensive football. And I use offensive two ways, meaning the actual play of the offense and it's offensive to watch. See what I did there? I'm that kind of clever. Anyway, the truth of the matter is Rodgers has exposed and is exposing something that needs exposed. And that is a culture of crap within Woody Johnson's organization with the Jets. It's not all that Aaron Rodgers got hurt. It is not all that guys leak and are insecure and want to run to the media to smear others. It's a combination of all of it. So often we get and we watch teams get beat and lose, and we say, well, this is the reason Rodgers got hurt. I would argue that Aaron Rodgers is doing a tremendous service, a tremendous service to the New York Jets' ownership, general manager, and franchise. I would. I would argue by exposing this garbage, Aaron Rodgers is like, hey, this is awesome. We're going to get this right if I'm going to be here. And we're not going to have this anymore because nothing gets handled private. 
You can have all these little private meetings. Somebody's going to leak that too. But once a guy like Rodgers comes out, and once he puts Robert Sala and Tim Boyle and the offensive coordinator and the offensive tackle and the defensive lineman and the defensive 20th assistant, once he puts them on notice, and that's exactly what he did, now you got a chance to roll. Now you've got your dirty laundry, well, exposed, but should be now in the washing machine, and we shouldn't be having this again. Shouldn't. It's pretty good. No, it's really good by Aaron Rodgers. I applaud. So oftentimes, people are afraid to speak out. So oftentimes, guys give vanilla answers. But if you really want to change something, then you got to go public with it sometimes. Not all the time. And you don't have to go public anymore. The gauntlet has been set by Rodgers. The scabble has been hit. And we'll see what the Jets do. But the Jets got exposed, and that ain't a bad thing. Because I'm guessing you Jets fans are like, hey, this has been going on a long time. About damn time somebody let us in and know what's really going on. If you pay attention, that's what's really going on. You remember the Tui family? You remember Blindside? Michael Orr? The great story of the overbearing mommy and the dad, who was a good basketball player, at Old Miss and them taking in this kid and saving his life. Well, the Tui family is being sued by Michael Lord. It's nasty. It's dirty. It's filthy. It's not what should be happening in this, regardless of who did what with conservatorship or whatever you think happened. Whoever made money based on a movie or a book, this shouldn't be happening. What's happening is Michael Lord is suing the Tuis, and the Tuis are saying, hey, look, this is shakedown. Michael Lord wants our money. Michael Orr wants more money. Michael Orr wants money. Here's the deal. The Tuohys now are backing up their claim. Orr is attempting to get the Tuohys to cough up $15 million in royalties from the blind side. They're claiming, the Tuohys are, that Michael Orr threatened to defame them on social media and or TMZ as fakes and thieves if they did not pay. Well, you know what's going on here, right? Now, the Tuohys' backs are against the wall. The Tuohys, particularly Mr. Tuohy, and if you watch the movie, Mrs. Tuohy as well, but Mr. Tuohy runs a bunch of businesses. Mrs. Tuohy has nuts this big. So they're not going to back down from this fight. They have Michael Orr's text, Michael Orr's own words. If something isn't resolved this Friday, I'm going to go ahead and tell the world how I was robbed by my supposed parents. That's the deadline, or wrote in a text according to legal document. Think how it will look when it comes out. Well, that's a shake. Or is that just business as usual? Look, is that a deadline? There's a big difference between a shakedown and a deadline. Look, I'm giving you till Friday to resolve this issue. That's in most, if not all, legal proceedings. You don't really come in. I mean, too many people watch suits. And think that that's how it actually goes. No. No. Here's the deal. I look at that as a combination shakedown slash deadline. Yes, he is shaking them down. But I would need to see other texts. I would need to, if I always put myself on a jury, I would need to see another text that says, hey, look, I'm going to TMZ. I'm going to social media. And here's the deal. 
one thing I've learned, bad publicity lasts about a day, maybe two. There's always going to be idiots that refer back to the bad publicity. Dawkins, you don't have a job. Well, obviously I have a job. Dawkins, you got fired from every job you have. No, I've never been fired from one. But I get it. People always revert back to some article or some social media post. But the fact of the matter is, we all got lives. But the last thing any of us are going to care about after a one-day discussion is whether or not the Tuies didn't give enough money to the NFL line or lineman who made about $50 million in his career. Like, we all got our own problems. We all go to the store. You see Bidenomics at the grocery store lately? Have you? Whew. I got to tell you, everything that used to cost $6.99 now is over $10. I got that to worry about. You know what? I don't care whether this guy got jobbed by the two. It's a good movie. It's an entertaining movie. It's a good book, apparently. I didn't read the book, but the book is always better than the movie because the book goes more in depth. So if I were the two is, I'd be like, if I was right, if I was honest, if I wasn't honest, well, I could not have done that hold money back in the first place. I just can't do that. I've got Catholic guilt and I was raised by a mother and father that are awesome. And I have brothers that are lawyers. And if I called my brother and said, hey, I'm going to withhold this from the Tuies. He would be like, well, then at some point you're going to go to jail and face embarrassment. I couldn't have done it in the first place. But let's just say for the sake of argument, the Tuies didn't. And Orr is mad because he's got some lawyer telling him that he didn't get enough money. If I'm the Tuies, I'm standing up and I'm standing up strong. Love you, Michael. Love you a long time, Michael. But now you're starting to do things that are going to impact our lives and we ain't having. Yeah, I don't know whether it's a shakedown. They don't really care. But it's kind of a cool, it's kind of an interesting story. And it is the way the world works. Remember one of my mottos. Ready? Write it down. I got a pen. I got a clear piece of paper right here. Write it down. No good deed goes unpunished. Let me say it again. No good deed goes unpunished, period. That goes right along with be careful what you wish for. Those are my two, along with sack the hell up. But no good deed goes unpunished. Whatever the Tuies did or didn't do, they seemingly brought Michael Tuie or Michael Orr out of a bad situation and helped set him up for life. Yes, Michael Orr worked really hard. Yes, Michael Orr seems like a really smart dude, but the two he certainly had a hand in it. And when you do something like that, just understand, no good deed goes unpunished. Hey, let your thoughts be known, Gritty. The Outkick store is better than ever. If you want to stop and shop at Outkick, you want to rep Outkick head to toe, all you got to do is go to shop dot outkick.com limited time when you buy one item you can get another 50 percent off all you got to do is visit shop.outkick.com add the items to the cart and the discount the 50 percent will automatically be applied watch what i'm going to do here don't drop the ball as the uh, on this offer and score 50 percent off while you can 
We'll be right back with our friend Armando. We got a lot to get to because the NFL is pumping, yo. Be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the NFL is in full throat, as they say. I mean, we got a lot to talk to with the great Armando Sanjaro. Hey, I got a question for you. You ready? Ready. Jim Harbaugh, gun to head. I always use gun to head. Jim Harbaugh is a head coach in the NFL opening day next year. Gun to head. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not if you're at his opening press conference, he's not, because obviously that, <laughs> you're not a fan, I guess. <laughs> what can no, I I'm just you? asking, is, is he going to be a head coach in the NFL next year? Yeah. I, look. Um, there's a couple of steps between then and now. And I think the first one would be, is he going to win the national championship or not? Because if he does, um, what else does he need to accomplish in, uh, in college? Uh, there aren't, I don't know that there are any head coaches who have won a national championship and, and a Super Bowl. Um, so that would be, Obviously, a reason to try to do that in the NFL. There's also the thinking that you win a national championship, you got to defend it. Um, Michigan has been trying, and the Harbaugh people have been negotiating a new contract, right, with Michigan. Of course, that does not preclude him from going to the NFL. And there are going to be some pretty interesting jobs opening, I think. Uh, there's some interesting jobs open now uh, with, you know, the Carolina Panthers and the Las Vegas, don't call me Oakland Raiders. So if you're asking me to guess, just to guess, I believe he will be. Uh, I believe he wants to win a Super Bowl. I believe that is an ultimate goal for him. And what better time than now when he's basically on top and should remain there if Michigan does what everybody expects them to do or what their rankings say that they should do. So I think, yes. No, I, I agree. I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a complicated question, really, because of everything that you've said. You mentioned jobs. Um, the Bears. Are the Bears Justin Fields? I mean, are they going to? Let Eberflus grow together? Are they going to pull the plug on this? What's your best guess on the Bears with Justin Fields? Yeah, I'm looking for plugs to pull, and so are the Bears, <laughs> because uh, that's – no, that that will not stand. Uh, I They're not going to fire the guy in season. That's not a McCaskey Bears ownership thing kind of to do. But after the season – Look, right now, I think Matt Eberflus has won, what, five, six games uh, in two years? No, that doesn't fly in the NFL. And I don't believe that uh, they have shown that they have developed Justin Fields enough. And the Bears need to develop Justin Fields. And if not, they're going to have a high enough draft pick 
to find the replacement for Justin Fields. And so, and by high enough, I mean number one overall because they own Carolina's draft pick. And so they're going to go out shopping for a coach, possibly even a general manager, although that's less likely. I think they're going to keep Ryan Poles. Ibraflus is going to be gone. And the next coach will have a big say as to what they do with Justin Fields. Your mind, as this thing continues to fall apart for Bill Belichick, is Belichick a head, co- is Belichick a head coach in the NFL? Two-part question, and next year. And is Belichick the head coach of New England Patriots next year? Yeah, so Bill is chasing Don Shula. And, you know, that's a hard thing to do because Don Shula's, uh, you know, record stands and has stood for a long time. And Bill is on... I think he's 18 behind Don Shula's 347 career wins. Um, at this rate, if he stays with this team in New England, it's only going to take him like four Avatar more years. The same thing. They can maintain relevance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I don't see that action. Yeah. I don't see uh, that happening. I think the I think the Patriots are their ownership. Robert Kraft is going to be ready to move on. And I wouldn't be surprised if Belichick is probably ready to move on. And so, you know, uh, I see a parting of ways. I don't see necessarily a firing. I believe the Patriots, who, by the way, paid a draft pick to get Bill Belichick, got a draft pick to hire Bill Parcells before him. They want draft pick compensation for Bill Belichick. And the only way that you do that is to have a mutual parting of ways instead of an outright firing. Yeah, I, I'm fascinated by this. I, I really am. I, I think you and I talked about it way back when Brady left, and this is always going to be. This was always going to be a comparison. People can say it's not, or you, you know, Brady can say, but but I don't care. Normal people are going to compare who does what without who, right? And, and, and it's just fascinating to me because I like records broken. I think it's fun. But I'm not sure. I, I, all right, let me put it this way, Armando. I would take Belichick to coach, but I'm not letting one guy anymore run both. I'm not doing that. I don't think anybody else is doing that in the NFL. Let the coach be the general manager and make all the decisions. I don't think anybody's doing that. Yeah, I look. There are situations where the coach obviously has major say in in what happens. Um, And I think Belichick has probably earned that. But full, I'm going down to wherever, Boise State, to find my next left tackle or something like that. No, no, that's no. You, no, don't be doing that. You need to have. Uh, somebody that's going to not have a blind eye for the lack of playmakers like you've had Bill Belichick for years and years. You need to have someone that knows quarterbacks better than you because you thought Mac Jones was the answer. Uh, you basically, and you know, you stumbled into Tom Brady. He was a sixth round, the 199th overall pick, and I get it. They picked him. But if they had known that he was going to be that good, they would have picked them number one overall. Uh, as to which 
which one came first, the chicken or the egg kind of thing, the great quarterback Tom Brady or Bill Belichick? Look, it's not, it's not an insult, Dan, to say that Bill Belichick needed a great quarterback to be right. great. Right. All Hall of Fame coaches that I know of had Hall of Fame players. Right. Uh, we just mentioned Don Shula. Don Shula had three Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Three. So, yeah, he won a lot with Johnny Unitas, Dan Marino, and, and Bob Greasy. Duh, uh, you know, uh, Chuck Knoll, Hall of Fame quarterback. You know, Bill Walsh, Hall of Fame quarterback. You don't get to the Hall of Fame as a coach without Hall of Fame players. I agree. I, I, again, I, I don't think it's any slight, but it is something that people are going to pay attention to. All right. I was shocked. I mean, we apparently we're living in the era of backup quarterbacks, and now this Browning is the greatest thing ever. But how screwed are the Jags if, in fact, Trevor Lawrence has to miss a ton of time here at the end of the season? Yeah, I don't think he's gonna miss a ton of time. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm thinking maybe it's a high ankle sprain, right? So mm -hmm. typically that's six weeks, which is which carries us into the that's you know the playoffs. Yeah, uh, but I think it's going to be less than that. Um, I'm not a doctor. I, I don't. I haven't had the Jaguars doctor tell me that. But it's call it instinct. Uh, if if we're sitting here in mid January and Trevor Lawrence have, hasn't played, get me back on the show and call me an ass <laughs> because I'll deserve it. But I don't believe it's going to be that. In fact, they haven't even ruled him out for this week yet. And maybe that's just you know kind of them being quiet and and trying to to hurt the opposition with less information, but that still hasn't happened. Um, the NFL has lost a bunch of starting quarterbacks this year. I mean, like a bunch. I, I have a list over here. Let's see. Uh, Joe Burrow, Kirk Cousins, Deshaun Watson, Anthony Richardson, Daniel Jones, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Kenny Pickett isn't playing this week. It's like, if you are not developing a number two quarterback in the NFL anymore after this season, that's your, your misgiving, your problem, because you didn't see what actually happened on the field. You know, it's interesting. We used to say this in Indy. Didn't matter who the backup quarterback was to Peyton Manning, because if Peyton goes down, you're not winning the Super Bowl. And when Peyton was there, that was always the thing, right? Get to the Super Bowl. I think times have changed. I would argue now here in Indy, the smartest two things – that Chris Ballard has done during his tenure is sign a camp competent backup in Gardner Minshew, who's been okay, and sign a kicker in Matt Gay, who's been great. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's, it's a different era now. It, it just is. And let me ask you this. As much as the NFL has tried to protect quarterbacks, do you think there's any common thread as to why so many quarterbacks are getting hurt? No. Uh, the common thread is uh, the common thread is the game is very fast. Defenders are very big and, yeah, and fast and angry and angry. Yes. And, yes. and a lot of these, you know, injuries are not NFL can protect you from type of situation. I mean, Joe Burrow 
was not, you know, that thing popped uh, as he was passing, throwing the football, right? Uh, Kirk Cousins, that thing popped. Uh, the Achilles popped. Aaron Rodgers, the Achilles popped. Uh, Richardson, I believe, was a non-contact uh, injury as well. So you cannot necessarily, you, you can't kind of draw bylaws or any more bylaws that say, hey, you can't, <laughs> there is no, you can't hurt the guy if you're not touching him. So, you know, we got to prevent right. non-contact injuries. It's, it's, it's just the human body sometimes gives out. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I agree. That's why I asked the question because I got so many people say, well, you got to protect quarterbacks more. And I'm like, from, from what? I mean, you know, you, 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 sometimes you're playing a sport and you train and you know, things snap or pop. I, I can't let you go without Bryce Young. You mentioned Carolina, you mentioned number one pick and obviously they got a bit of a mess there. And, you know, it's easy, what, 10, 12, 14, whatever game in, to say that C.J. Stroud over Bryce Young is, you know, the pick of the year. Bryce Young is a flop. You can say all that stuff. Okay. But where do you think Bryce Young really is? Do you think Bryce Young can be salvaged here? Do you think this thing is just maybe a reset, a coach away from getting this thing maybe back on track? Yes. Um, I, you know, I think it's ridiculous to do months and months and months and months of work on Bryce Young and scouting him and evaluating him and watching him play at Alabama for years and years and decide after, you know, 10 games, 12 games, no, he's not it. And, and I get it. Look, he's, he hasn't grown. He's still five foot 10 and <laughs> he doesn't have a cannon for arm, but I don't see a reason why Bryce Young with capable talent around him, capable wide receivers, an offensive line that actually does its job, and a coaching staff that that you know knows what it's doing and is developing him, can, I don't see why he can't be an above average NFL quarterback. I, I just don't. He's got all the the intangibles, the it factor, the leadership. He works his ass off. He's a he's gonna be fine if the Carolina Panthers put the the tools around him to help him to work up to being fine. You know, last last thing before I let you go, Armando, I, I gotta ask you. You know, I'm, I, I, people are dismissive sometimes and forget that there's a lot of season left. You know, C.J. Stroud's got his team seven and five. Tyreek Hill is playing his brains out. And I don't know that that the, the normal guys, obviously Rodgers is out and Mahomes' team, it doesn't look great. I don't know that there's a clear cut. Or let me ask you this. Is there a clear cut MVP? No, there isn't a clear cut uh -oh. MVP. And I don't think, you know, all the talk about the midseason MVP and the right now MVP. Look, the talk now is different than the talk five days ago. Right. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's right. face it. It's different. And by the way, Brock Purdy has entered the chat uh, because uh, you're looking at, I, I saw him play against, you know, on a, the best record team in the NFL on Sunday, the Philadelphia Eagles. 
And all he did was like light them up. Right. And, and now he's got 23 touchdown passes and six interceptions. His quarterback rating leads the NFL. His completion percentage leads the NFL. His yards per attempt leads the NFL. Why aren't we talking about Brock Purdy as an MVP candidate again? Uh, he absolutely is now a candidate, along with Tyreek Hill, along with all the other guys that have mentioned, been mentioned and have failed to be mentioned. Add Brock Purdy to that list. I agree with that. Like, I'm watching him play, and I'm sitting there looking. God, wow. Look, I know he's got a great organization, but that's what happens. You get you got a great organization with the Philadelphia Eagles. You got a great organization with Andy Reid. I mean, it's the same thing as you said about quarterbacks having a Hall of our coaches having a Hall of Fame quarterback. People dismiss a guy's performance because he's playing for a great organization. I don't care about that. I want to see how the guy plays, and Purdy's been terrific. Well, the other argument is, well, Brock Purdy's doing so great because he's got all this talent around him. Well, right. duh, it's a team, you know? Right. I mean, uh, how would Tyreek Hill be doing if Tua Tungavailoa wasn't the quarterback? Uh, you know? how Patrick Mahomes is probably not an MVP candidate. Why? Because he's not good anymore? Or because his wide receivers are often substandard and lead the NFL in drops? Uh, it matters who's around you. You cannot win games and you cannot win MVP crowns if you don't have talent around you, period. Right. That's right. That's right. And, and it shouldn't diminish your, your performance because you got good dudes around you. Uh, what do we got on the five spot coming up? You, you and Donovan. Yeah. So we've got an episode out just now. Donovan, you know, Donovan's a big Philadelphia Eagles guy, right? Right. A little blow to the heart when they lost to San Francisco. Um, he is very close to um, to Big Dom. <laughs> so Big Dom. Yeah, Big Dom. Little did I know this year I would include Big Dom in my, my realm, you know, between my ears. But um, so he talks about big, his relationship with Big Dom. Uh, we took on the Jaguar situation. There's um, there's a college football controversy that you are well aware of with FSU, and he had some interesting comments about that. And then we'll uh, tape again Thursday morning. Appreciate you, my friend. Thanks. Love talking to Armando. There it is, the five spot with Donovan McNam, Armando and Donovan McNam. You want to know what's real in the NFL? Tune into that. Hey, when we come back, Amber Harding is going to join us, one of the great Outkick Riders people in the country. We'll be right back. We're talking more NFL. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. You know, there are writers and then there are great writers. And you're looking at a great writer, and it is not me. It is Amber Harding, outkick.com. And, well, a lot of different places, including our show, and we're thrilled to have Amber. I got to ask you, I had a 10-year stalker. This is a true story. I had a 10-year stalker. 
Oh, I no. used to get these long letters. When I started a radio show, I got a $250 flower sent to my house, which I brought to my then wife, who knew that, well, I didn't buy them, and she called me out on them. But TJ Hushmazada, this thing has gone just crazy. What is going on here with the former NFL wide receiver? Man, this this might be the funniest story. No, it's not funny for him, maybe, but it's kind right. of funny for me. Um, TJ Hushmanzad, it's even hard to say, um, has a stalker uh, that has apparently been obsessed with him for almost a decade. He originally filed a restraining order against this woman. She's 53 now. He originally filed a restraining order against her in 2015. It expired in 2019, so she resumed her stalking, and um, he's had to file it again just now. So now he's waiting for for a judge to grant it. If it's granted, he's gonna have she's gonna have to stay 500 yards away from him. But it's even crazier than your average stalker because Dan, I don't know about about yours, but TJ's stalker changed her last name to be Pushmanzada. So she was posing as his wife, um, the mother of his children online. The whole story is absolutely wild. Yeah, my stalker broke up with me uh, in a message that said, well, I realize this is after 10 years of letters and stuff like that. So let me ask you a question. What does Hushmanzada do? Like, okay, the restraining order is one thing. Uh, you can't stop, I assume, somebody from changing their name. I'm guessing you can't really stop on Twitter or X or social media from people because there's so many anonymous accounts. It seems like, you, how do you stop any of this other than saying, okay, stay 500 feet away, which, by the way, a bullet can go more than 500 feet, is what I always said when I looked at restraining orders. What are your thoughts? What do you do about this? Well, I, I'm lucky for him. He has 11 years in, in the NFL, so hopefully he got some money and he can use that to beef up his home security. I'd have cameras everywhere. I'd have a gate. I'd have I'd be I'd be ready for that because I, I mean, who knows? Maybe she's totally harmless, but she has sent letters to him. Um, she has sent threatening letters to him, according to him, including one that had bullets in it. And on each bullet was a name of one of his family members. So that's really Whoa. scary. Yeah, that's really scary. And that's something that like, I feel like the law should get involved in that. So I feel like it should be more than a restraining order. They should find this woman and actually, I don't know what the, what you can actually, I feel like you can prosecute her for something like that though. That's pretty, that's pretty crazy. But the, the thing she's doing online too, I, I was looking through Google and I found her YouTube channel and she has just one playlist and it's titled hoosh and it's got 1500 videos on it so i think every interview every tv interview that tj hoosh has ever done is on her youtube channel it's wild she just what a random person to be obsessed with too i mean no offense to you tj but like <laughs> what a random person to be obsessed with yeah i always felt like my stalker could do better too i'm, I'm like <laughs> I, I think you can do better but to your point um Coach Knight, Bob Knight and I got a letter from some mathematician, crazy recluse in Nashville, Indiana, and it included bullet shells. And I did, I called a friend of mine with the FBI and he went out to this guy's house and he said, when he came back, he said, you guys might have a problem. I go, really? I go, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, this guy's a gun range in his back. There's nothing we can really do. 
But, you know, I told him, hey, look, what are you guys doing? And he was unfazed. So, look, the world of stalker is not a good world to be involved in. Not even at all. All right. Deion Sanders. Now, I'm going to get two parts here. The world of Deion Sanders, I'm not saying it's fallen apart. It's just changed, right? He's got his 12-year fiance. They've broken up. Players are not committing, including a friend of mine's son, quarterback, said, yeah, we ain't going. Uh, but he's shopping. He's shopping, even though his kid's going to be the Heisman favorite. Deion, he, he's shopping for old quarterbacks, no? Yeah, he is. And he he's already said that Shadur and Shiloh are, are both coming back, but he's going to be prepared for any scenario. So he said that in, in the transfer, transfer portal, he's looking for multiple quarterbacks. He specifically said plural, and he wants them to be older quarterbacks because he wants them to be able to step in if something were to happen to Shador and just basically not, not miss a beat. Um, and Colorado's had, I mean, the disappointing season, there's no doubt about it, but Shador had a really great season. The problem is they can't protect him. And you can have all the quarterbacks in the world, but if you don't have an offensive line to protect them, it's not going to do you any good. Here's how I read that. He had two quarterbacks, Danny O'Neill from Indianapolis and another quarterback in the class of 2025 decommit. And you know how I look at this, Amber, you tell me if I'm wrong. I look at this as spin. Hey, look, I want older quarterbacks. And he said, because we're trying to win. Basically, he's spinning the fact that these two highly regarded quarterbacks said, yeah, after looking at this, we don't want it. It's a pretty good spin because you can go sign some older quarterbacks because of the transfer portal. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And maybe he's trying to make light of that situation. But I'd say he'd have more luck with these younger quarterbacks. Obviously, he just lost those two. They just decommitted. But if I'm an older, experienced quarterback who maybe only has one or two years left of eligibility, why in the world would I go to a losing program to ride the bench behind the coach's son? That's that's just not realistic. The only reason would be he's paying you a lot of money. That would be the only reason. Really, that would be it. That would be like... Because you're right. I mean, I think everybody, well, I know everybody that I know in college football that knows their situation goes the favoritism is over the top that Sanders, as a father, like he ain't benching Shador Sanders. No. Like, no. You, you know, that ain't, ain't happening. All right, I know you're a Dolphins fan, and the Dolphins are all the rage. We've got Tua playing guitar with the Mannings. Uh, and, and I'm going to get into the Mannings in a second, something off script here with you. I'm interested. But Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill getting a lot of love as an MVP. I was just talking to Armando. I don't see a lot of, well, I mean, I know we gave it to quarterbacks mostly, but I don't see like Patrick Mahomes dominating. Aaron Rodgers is hurt. Burrow is hurt. This might be the year a guy like Tyreek Hill sneaks in there. I think it's very possible. And I mean, call me a hater. I am one. But I am just so excited to see somebody not named Patrick Mahomes win something. So whether it's Tyreek or Dak or Brock Purdy or any of those, I will be happy. But my obvious preference is Tyreek. You know, he's always been great. But this year, he's having a season for the record books. I mean, he's on pace for 2,100 receiving yards. That's insane. No other receiver has ever gotten 2,000. So if he hits 2,000, I mean, even though there are some quarterbacks who are having some great seasons, I don't know how you can deny him that MVP or that MVP award. I agree. And let me ask you, let me go back to the Mannings real quick. I think Peyton Manning, everybody, Peyton Manning, it would, it, in Indianapolis, if Peyton Manning says the word the, everybody laughs hysterically. Oh, God, that Peyton Manning, he's so damn funny. I'll tell you what, that boy is so good. Yeah, shut up. 
Peyton Manning is an older frat boy. He dresses like a frat boy. He looks like a frat boy. His brother and him sit there on that show, and they talk like little frat boys. So Bud Light has decided to go back to the frat boy. After that woman, I forget her name, said, hey, we're getting away from the frat boy. They went and hired Peyton Manning to be America's frat boy. Bud Light going back frat boy. Amber, you got any thoughts on that? I think out of all of Peyton Manning's accolades, America's frat boy should just be like, that should be the top of his LinkedIn profile. But um, something you might not know about me, Dan, I am actually from Indianapolis too. Um, So I am from Indianapolis, grew up there, and then I went to college at UT. So I have been surrounded by nothing but Manning worship my entire life. Um, And the funny thing about watching that Manning cast, I don't usually watch the Manning cast. I usually watch the regular broadcast. But this week we were, my husband and I were out at a restaurant and they had the Manning cast on. And my husband who never watches it either just made a comment about like, oh, nice of them to wear their, their best hoodie today um and just was just joking about how it's like I, like if they weren't the manning brothers these guys would not have a tv show where they just get to sit around and like, comment on passively on the game so it's pretty funny but i do love that bud light is trying so hard so hard to kind of reach back out and say like hey football fans we still love you please buy our beer um it's just it's been a wild year for that brand do you think I'm right about that? He's America's frat, oldest frat boy. Like, he just looks, and his brother looks like a Mississippi frat boy, the mop of the hair. And, and am I right about the over-the-top, everything Peyton Manning says in Indianapolis is the funniest thing in the world? And God, we just think he's so damn clever. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why he's gotten so many commercials, too, because people just, people love him, and he can do something really simple. Do you remember that commercial? It wasn't that long ago. I guess, well, I guess it's been a few years, but it was like the, he would cheer for people at their regular jobs. Yeah. So he was at the meat cutter's place, and he was like, cut that meat, and it was the funniest thing in the world to everyone in Indianapolis and Knoxville. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I agree. Like if if if, if all God dang if old Peyton said it, I tell you what, we're, he's so damn funny. I just get the biggest kick out of Peyton. He he just he just the most cl- shut. I, I did think that that one where he is cheering for the guy to cut the meat and other yeah. things. I did think that was pretty good. I thought that was pretty. Good. That was funny. All right, Amber, appreciate you. Thanks for coming on the show. Great stuff. Absolutely. Anytime, Dan. Have a good one. That is Amber Hardy. You can read her at Outkick.com. There she is right there. I just got to know everybody from Outkick is from Indianapolis by way of, well, now Nashville, Nash Vegas or wherever. But look, I got to tell you, Peyton Manning, he probably never had a grapefruit in his life. And I guarantee you, he would endorse a grapefruit. Hey, Peyton, uh, we're going to pay you. Yes. You don't even know what it is. It doesn't matter. I'm in. And I'll say, I'll tell you what, man, people laugh. Oh, they'll laugh like crazy because hell, I'm paid. And uh, when I say something funny, I, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I, I mean, now nah, I'm not being fair because everybody, and I mean everybody in Indianapolis that has been around and is friends with Peyton Manning that I know, will tell you that he's an absolute great dude, and he did a really nice thing for a friend of mine. So I'm all in on Peyton Manning, but it is over, like between Barkley and that idiot Shaq, like Shaq's an idiot. Uh, yeah, and Barkley's a genius, but Shaq is just stupid. Now, he's probably a brilliant businessman, but, you know, Shaq is just a complete moron. That's my opinion. You don't have, but Barkley's a freaking genius. All right. It is What the Hell Wednesday. And you know what? I can respect this first guy. I'm down here in Florida. 
And I, but I, I, before I go to What the Hell Wednesday, I got to give you something. So I've told you all this before. When I leave, my brother-in-law comes and stays at our house. My brother-in-law and his now girlfriend are at my house. My brother-in-law is a big old iron. He's like six foot two, 310 pounds. His arms are this big and he's a hunter. So he came to our house and he brought some guns the other day before I got in the car and left. And he looks out back and he goes, hey, I read on guys that you can duck hunt. Can I just sit out here on the back porch and shoot these geese, these ducks? And I'm like, no, we live in Marion County. You can't shoot ducks and shoot guns in Marion County. However, he was right. In Hamilton County on Geist, which is the rich part, you can shoot ducks on the lake with homes all around the lake. I did not know this. So he is getting out this little John boat. Actually, it's a bigger John boat that I have. And he's going to go duck hunting on the lake in a neighborhood for the next two weeks. He's staying at my house. Being an iron worker is a tough job, but I got to tell you, work when you want. He's got so much seniority that he's house sitting for us, and he's going to go duck hunting on Geist. That, to me, is a what the hell. It's not like this is a remote lake in the middle of nowhere. This is a lake with houses on every single freaking place you can have a house. That is what the hell. Great writer for Outkick, Sean Joseph, has this headline for what the hell. Listen to this. Man claims not to know how the meth found in his underwear got there. Now, this dude's 56 years old. He was arrested on a warrant. His name is Caleb Phillips. He was arrested on a warrant for failing to appear in court in 2022. He had a DUI case. As he was trading in his clothing for his new set of jail oranges, you know what I'm talking about, the jail clothes, a deputy, listen to this, found, I'm going to get this right, a plastic container hidden in his underwear tucked under his junk. A guy named Deputy Green observed Caleb as he undressed from his civilian clothing, changing into his jail clothing. And when he was undressing, Deputy Green located a plastic container containing a small package of Advil under his freaking penis in his underwear. It turned out there were crystal rocks in the container, in the man's underwear. The dude had meth in his drawers. Now, look, I ain't mad at you. You got meth in your drawers. People have meth in their drawers all the time, apparently. But when you're going to get arrested, can you not get rid of the meth in your pants? Through my training and evidence, the officer said, I believe the crystal clear rocks were meth. I tested the rocks with a meth drug test kit, which quickly turned brown, matching the color of said meth. Now, I don't know. You know what? So what did the guy say? The guy's like, hey. I don't know how it got in here. What? You don't know how it got in here? He said he thought it contained Advil. So raise your, who here hasn't put their Advil in their taint? 
Who here has it, particularly when you're 46 years old and you look like you've ran hard and lived a hard life, who hasn't tried to hide meth or Advil in your junk? Like, I'm going to go golfing at some point, and I like to take Advil. I think I'll just put it under my package. I mean, these balls hang low. I can sit on the – nobody will ever see it. What is wrong with people? But again, ladies and gentlemen, we're here in Florida. Uh, This – I can file this one under, yeah, I can see my brother-in-law doing this. I live outside 24-7, and I eat roadkill. Why, you ask? Eh, I don't want animals to die in vain. This is in Oregon, of course, where a woman is making waves claiming she eats roadkill. So you know what? The animal's dead. Its head's been squashed by a semi. But this woman does not want Mark Manders Bennett Barnett. She doesn't want the animal to die in vain. Let me ask you a question. There are a lot of statements that I don't understand. Somebody says to you, oh, this is ridiculous on so many levels. That doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything at all. What does that mean on so many levels? What does it mean I don't want a dead animal to die in vain. Does that mean I don't want this dead animal to die and his life had no meaning? So now by me boiling up a pot of raccoon stew, uh, it has meaning? What are you talking about? What is wrong with you? On so many levels, on so many levels, this woman doesn't want to die in vain. Yeah, all right. Yeah, all right. Good for you. Let me explain something to you. It's dead. The animal's dead. It's over. Ova. O-V-A. You die in vain. You don't die in vain. You're dead. Coogan's Law from the movie Cocktail. Bury the dead. They stink. That's what I told my kids. Bury me when I'm dead because I stink. That's one of the things that my sister-in-law, I've learned from the Jewish folk in my family. Hey, you die, we're going to get your ass in the ground. I'm sure it's a little deeper. I am. I'm sure it's a little deeper than just bury the dead, Coogan's Law. But hey, an animal on the side of the road is dead. Call out Nipsco or the traffic people. Get a shovel, throw it in the back, and put it in the lake. Why is it always Florida or Oregon, by the way? Listen to this. A Florida man has been accused of, listen to this, spraying a woman with roach spray, and he got the nunchucks over loud music. That's right. Larry Darnell Adams of Daytona Beach is charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon and aggravated battery with a deadly weapon. They say that the dude, at 1.15 in the morning, the cops came to Adam's apartment building where he spoke to the alleged victims, all women. According to the women, they were sitting in the car listening to music to celebrate one victim's 18th birthday. Two of the other women stepped out of their apartment and asked the women to turn down the music. These women are idiots. A fifth woman was nearby. As the women talk, here comes Adams. Adams is pissed. And he started yelling at the women, who, by the way, are idiots. 
The victim stood their ground as the defendants cursed, made threats, one time threatening to air it out. All right. The women took the slang as a threat that he would shoot him with a firearm. Adams pulled out a can of roach spray, sprayed the women in their face and their bodies. He threatened the women with a set of nunchucks. That's right. He used the martial arts weapon, the nunchucks, to strike the vehicle. Let me ask you a question. Adams called 911. He's like, hey, I'm calling 911. Let me explain something to you. I'm on that jury. Adams walks. I don't care. Adams walks. Well, he sprayed the woman with roach spray. So what? He should have sprayed him with that stuff that I get my wife when she goes running. You know, that stuff that, that gets in your eyes. Mustard gas or whatever it is. I'll tell you this right now. If you're an idiot, I don't care if it's your 18th birthday. So what? Why at 1.15 in the morning are you out there jamming? No, no, I ain't having it. Hey, let's stay in Florida. A guy went Mike Tyson. You know what going Mike Tyson means? No, it doesn't mean rape and that kind of stuff. It means you bite off someone's ear, Vander Holyfield style. A Florida man bit off his friend's ear in a fight over a woman in a wheelbarrow. I'm going to say that again. I just want you to hear me again. A Florida man bites off friend's ear in fight over woman in wheelbarrow. A Florida man is accused of biting off a man's ear during a fight over a mutual friend he was pushing in a wheelbarrow. What? What? Bunch of dudes were on vacation in the Keys when authorities say a woman passed out at a marina. So James Lynn Williams put the woman in a wheelbarrow to push her back to her hotel. Witnesses said Mr. Williams dumped beer on the woman, insulted her before another friend intervened and told me he was being disrespectful. The two became combative. Jeez. A couple of women tried to calm Williams down. The 28-year-old was choked. All right. And then Williams bit off part of his ear as others tried to separate him. Mr. Williams was arrested at the hotel and faces aggravated battery. Battery by he tried to strangle one of the women, strangulation. And battery again. Two batteries and a strangulation just because you decide to, to do the chivalrous thing. Look, here's the deal. If you're going to be chivalrous, just be chivalrous. It's a good thing. Hey, you throw an old girl in a wheelbarrow. You're like, hey, honey, I'm going to take you home because there's cretins out here that are going to rape you, attack you. Maybe you've been roofing. I don't know, but you're so hammered. I'm just putting you in a wheelbarrow. That's good. Don't be dumping beer on her, though, you idiot. Don't be putting her hand in warm water so she pees herself. Stop it. Just stop it. Hey, uh, this is weird. You know, we all like themed weddings. Everybody has a themed wedding these days. I didn't have a theme wedding. You know what my wedding theme was? Let's get married. Let's have a priest. Let's have a reception at the Iron Workers Hall in Maryville, Indiana. It's pretty simple. We didn't have an Iron Worker theme marriage. We didn't have a we didn't have a wedding that said, "Hey, look, uh, I'm a basketball player. Everybody has to make a jump shot." Shut up. But apparently, 
I had a KFC-themed wedding. It was the wedding of my dreams with fried chicken as the bouquet. Oh, man. $2,300. That seems pricey. So a wheelchair-bound newlywed, Lang Yi Wong of Singapore, she wanted to have a wedding. She wanted to have a fried chicken wedding. It was really cool to have KFC as part of my special day. Who the blushing bride said she exchanged vows with Lee Pang, her husband. It made it unique and super, super, super memorable. Really, apparently Wang Yi is an unflinching quote here KFC fanatic. She emailed the company hoping that the company would gift her a cutesy souvenir in celebration. Well. The, she has a disability, defective blood vessels in her brain that have diminished her ability to walk. The fast food joint st stepped up. They footed half the bill for the wedding food and provided a foul, see what I did there, festive decoration, including a beanbag chair fashioned like a lifestyle zinger spicy chicken sando. The Colonel Sanders had 11 herbs and spices sprinkled throughout the venue. See what the New York Post did here? Including the bouquet. The bouquet was a bouquet of fried chicken drummies. There you go. So, look, I ain't mad at you, lady. I just think it's what the hell. I do. Look, let me put it to you this way. Northwest Indiana has the greatest food in the world. You don't believe this, but it does. You can go to the best restaurants in the biggest cities, and it isn't going to get any better than Broncos in Northwest Indiana's fried chicken. It just isn't. I got to tell you, I love KFC. If I went to the fanciest of weddings and they were serving Chick-fil-A or KFC, that's a good wedding. Congratulations, Ms. Wong. You have a memory and your wedding got on Don't At Me. Speaking of getting on Don't At Me, woo, we got some emails, baby. We got some emails coming up. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Hey, welcome back. You know that we love hearing from you. You know we love the YouTube chat. Nobody loves the YouTube chat like we love the YouTube chat. We appreciate the YouTube chatters coming out all the time. But we also get emails. Outkickdockage at gmail.com is the place to go. There it is, 929-687-3941. That's our number two. I don't know if we have any voicemails today. I wish we did. I like having voicemails. Uh, anyway, Kenny Schulteis, who is Mike Lewis's head coach. Kenny Schulteis, hey, Coach Dawkins, just want to congratulate you on being chosen for the Indiana High School Basketball Hall of Fame. At the same time, let you know that Farouk Muyazinovic will be inducted as a Silver Anniversary team member. I couldn't help but think how appropriate it was since without your help, he would not have connected to Jasper, Indiana, not just because you both are sharing a special moment, respectively, to each in the Indiana high school basketball history. More importantly, you not only helped make it possible, but may have helped in saving his future or even his life when he was coming from Civil War and keeping him from going back 
Crook and I talk often. He has done so well in life. He deserves all the credit, but he had to get the opportunity. You helped him find it. I have never forgotten it. Yeah, Farouk Muyazinovic was the brother of Harris Muyazinovic, who we brought to Indiana. And I got punched by Bob Knight during a practice and subsequently had a punch him back in a little room off of our practice facility because of Harris Muyazinovic. However, his brother Farouk was overseas. He was in, at that time, Serbia. And there was a civil war going on. It may have been Yugoslavia at that time. I can't remember. But Farouk, we got Farouk over to Jasper, Indiana, to my friend Kenny Schultz. And Farouk, I, I've heard great things about Farouk. I've seen Harris, but I have not seen Farouk. See, look, when you coach, you get to do a lot of different things and help a lot of different people. And that was always my thing. You know, you can read about me being an ass all you want from guys that are adulterous, thieving, lying punks. But... You never hear the full story. Did a lot of good in my time as a coach. 24-inch dubs. Can these idiots stop crying with F that FSU should be in? Unless Bobby Bowden is down on the sideline. Nobody wants that. Why does the media have to talk everything into controversy? Well, you see it here in Indianapolis. Nobody that is currently writing anything other than maybe an outkick. You know, I would say absolutely an outkick believes what they're actually writing. I mean, let's be honest. Nobody believes the crap that they're writing. You read our guy Doyle, he don't believe nothing that he's writing. He is just there for clicks, period, and that's it. You look at across the board, people don't buy. Everybody knows exactly what 24-inch dubs is saying is true. Who the hell wants to watch Florida State's third-string quarterback play against anybody, be a 24-point underdog against Michigan? I know I don't. Let's contrast that with who wants to watch Alabama, arguably the greatest program under Nick Saban that NCAA football has ever seen. Who wants to watch them play against number one, us against the world, or America's team, Michigan, with the lying, cheating, thieving Jim Harbaugh? I'll tell you this. I have a prediction, and I'll make it right now. I think this is going to be the most watched college football game ever. Now, Here's one caveat. It's New Year's Eve, and that ain't good. No, uh, -uh. that ain't good. People got plans New Year's Eve. I got plans New Year's Eve. Hell, I'm actually doing something New Year's Eve. Now, I might be wrong about this. I could be. It may be on the 30th. They may have wised up. But last year, it was on New Year's Eve. And I'm sitting there, and I'm watching, and I'm watching, and I'm watching. But I'm not every man. I'm a genius, so I will watch and watch and watch. And I'm actually looking this up right now. I guess I should have looked this up before the show. But when I'm going to – well, hold on. Hang on, caller. Where is this? Hold on. Why are we doing, why are we doing this? Yeah. No, it's January 1st. Perfect. Perfect. January 1st because I'm going out to a concert at 1030 at night on New Year's Eve, which is two hours past my bedtime. I will be up till 3, 4 in the morning. I will sleep and get up in time to watch the Alabama-Michigan game. It's going to be the most watched game in the history of college football. It may be the most watched television show in the history of TV. I'm with you, 24-inch stubs. I don't give a rat's ass, not even a little bit, not even sort of, about Florida State. Florida State, Michigan might be the least watched. This will be the most watched, and I 
Absolutely. Hey, Dan, this is from our man, Alan Cashman. Go to the cashmanwins.com. I love cash. Cashy is not like DraftKings. Cashy gives you information. Hey, Dan, I'm on record as saying I think the Chargers are a great fit for Belichick. The Chargers are a team with some talent, needing a Hall of Fame coach to get them over the hump. But how crazy would it be for Belichick to go back to the Jets next season with Rodgers and stay in the division to play the Patriots twice next year? I can see it happening. Cashy, I'm with you. Tom Telesco, by all accounts, who's the general manager of the San Diego Chargers, a.k.a. the Los Angeles Chargers, a.k.a. how about we just call them the Chargers, has put together what many people think is a terrific roster. But it's a roster going backwards under Brendan Staley and maybe a quarterback in Justin Herbert going backwards. Now, Jim Harbaugh is on record, and he has coached in that area, being the head coach of the University of San Diego. He is on record as saying he thinks Justin Herbert's about the best quarterback in the NFL. I don't know if that's posturing. Who knows? It's Harbaugh, so who cares? But the fact of the matter is you're absolutely right. you got a general manager in there in Telesco, assuming they don't fire him because of Brendan Staley and his awfulness, that seems to know his way around it. He worked under Ryan Grigson, so he's got the perfect combination of intelligence and toughness. Here's the deal. I'm not hiring Bill Belichick. I don't give a damn his credentials. I don't care. Not even a little bit. What I care about is him as a coach. I'll take him as a coach. I'll take him as a coach on the Jets. I'll take him as a coach anywhere you want to be successful. Uh, but he's going to have to figure it out. He's going to have to figure out this. How do I take my knowledge, my smarts, my demanding, my toughness, my unrelenting grinding, and move it into the modern era of the NFL? Never thought I'd say that. And I think Bill Belichick is really smart. But I do think Bill Belichick will be out of it. And I do think the Jets are viable, Cashy. And I do think the Chargers are viable. I think both would get good in a hurry. Uh, Dallas H. from Washington, Dan. FSU beat a Heisman candidate. Michigan beat a Heisman candidate. Wisconsin or Washington and Penix beat a Heisman candidate twice. Should he give it to Penix? Does Marvin Harrison have a chance? Also, and another thing FSU did, they got screwed out of the playoffs. Well, yeah, I get it. You can certainly make that case. I don't think they got screwed. I don't. It's not like Alabama didn't beat good teams. It's not like Alabama didn't just beat the number one team in the country. I get both sides. It's rare. Those of you that know me, Dallas H., you understand I'm usually pretty opinionated. I'm pretty informed on my opinions. I'm pretty informed on this, but my opinion is this can go both ways. I understand both sides. That's rare for me. I understand people saying Florida State beat LSU. Florida State beat Florida. That's non-conference. And then they ran the table in their conference and won the conference championship game. That is deserving in a major conference of getting to the playoff. I can't. But I also understand saying, wait a second. They are without their Heisman Trophy candidate. They are a different team. They did not look good. But again, they look okay enough to win. I get both sides. Personally, if you know me, you know I'm looking for the big game. I'm looking for appointment TV. I'm looking for this fat dupayage to have something to look forward to all day, and apparently that day is January 1st, where I can sit and watch and can't wait for it to happen. That, ladies and gentlemen, 
is Alabama, Michigan. That, ladies and gentlemen, is not in no way, shape, or form Florida State against anybody. Period. Period. Mark from Tennessee, Dan, I'll be honest. I'm glad Bud Light collapsed the way that it did because thanks to that BS collaboration, I stopped drinking altogether, which in the long term will help my health. Not even my love for Peyton Manning will make me come back. I'm a volunteer at heart. So thank you, Bud Light, for being the woke pass company that you are. Some good came out of it for me. Interesting. Unintended consequences. Huh. So if this email is true, and every time we get an email from Tennessee, I assume Dylan wrote. But if this email is true, and by the way, Dylan, I have thoughts on your new football coach, Tim Banks. I knew him at Bowling Green. You're going to be very unhappy. Anyway, if something good came out of it, which is Mark from Tennessee stopped drinking, then I'm all for it. See, I don't view drinking as bad as others. Like, I understand Michigan fans call me an alcoholic because, well, they call me an alcoholic and bitter because my son didn't, quote, get to play at Michigan, even though he was the captain and played in every game his last year there. I get it. They also say that I'm a Sparty fan, which is ridiculous. I get it. People throw things. But you know what? If it helped you not drink and you feel like that's better for your life, God bless you. It is interesting. The vast majority of people that I know that stop drinking say it's the best thing they ever did. Huh. I got to tell you, last night, I flew to Naples. I didn't have any drink, nothing on the plane. I sat there. I read the new Grisham book, or I started reading the new Grisham book. I was content. I got a bulkhead seat. It was awesome. I got to Atlanta. I didn't have a beer. I just went and read my book. I got on the flight from Atlanta to Naples. Didn't have a drink. Nothing. Just read my book. I got here. How about this? So Lee gives me licorice. I bite in my big old crown, silver crown on this back tube pops out. So now I'm in a little bit of pain, not much, and I got to find a dentist. Long story short, about an hour drive, we get to my brother's house where we're staying. Man, oh man, first thing I told him, I'm hungry. I got to get with uh, Nick and set up shop here but I'm gonna have a glass of wine. I gotta tell you, it was a great glass of wine. And then after having my wife make unbelievable ravioli, I then, she then sat down with me, figured out how to turn on the Golden Bachelor. That's right, Gary from Indiana. I had a big glass of wine then. And I gotta tell you, the feeling of sitting there in Naples on a couch, glass of wine, after eating, watching The Golden Bachelor is one I don't want to give up. Yeah, maybe my liver will be better. Yeah, maybe my skin will be shinier. Yeah, maybe I don't even know. But I don't want to give that feeling up at about 9.30 at night. That was pretty sweet. But good for you. Good for you, Mark, in Tennessee. All right. Let's walk a dope it, baby. And then I got a couple of last, last, last things. Let's see what we're talking about in the world of woking and doping. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. No, that's right. 
right there. That's absolutely right. Look at it. Biden voters in 2020. Yay! We got our guy. Hope and change. Oh, wait. That was Obama, the do-nothing president. Hope and change. Look at how happy Will Smith is. This is pre-bitch slapping Chris Rock. This is before the world knew that his wife was getting it done with one of their friends. This is before we knew the weirdness of Jada Pinkett Smith. Life was full of happiness. Life had wonderment. It was all there for us. Look at the eyes on Biden voters in 2020. We knew we got over on you. We knew that Biden is being directed by Big Mike and Obama and the rest. Now look at him in 2023. Look at the eyes. Look at the redness of the eyes. Look at the sadness. Look at the angst. The man has aged 10 years, Will Smith. This is either about his wife schnooping and humming with some dude that was their friend, or this is Joe Biden. It's all in the same. Life's got you down. No longer are we perky. No longer do we see the teeth on the left. We have the mouth is pursed. There's angst. There's upset. The head is tilted. A straight head leaning forward means energy, means excitement, means let's go. And it's only going to get worse, people. Biggest election ever coming up. There is no bigger election in your lifetime. I can promise you. Our country is at stake. They're going to lie to you and tell you, oh, Donald Trump is going to take away democracy. Yeah? He was already president for four years and democracy reigned. Don't listen to these idiots. Next! Oh, wow. Yeah. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Look, Gavin Newsom, I give him credit for this. Gavin Newsom is like Calvin Sampson. He has an incredible ability to lie. He has an unbelievable ability to see something that's the truth and spin it such that it's no longer the truth. You call it gaslighting. I call it just frankly lying. Now, I'm going to defend Gavin Newsom from this. Gavin Newsom is a creepily handsome man. He is. He's creepily handsome. The hair slicked back, the Ken Bell looks, the wife that got into the sack with Harvey Weinstein. Why is that Weinstein's fault that women wanted to shook him? Huh? Power. He used his power. Yeah, well, man, do we not give women credit? It's unbelievable. It is. But that's what his wife did. His wife tried to get over by stooping Harvey Weinstein. Now, I want you to think about that for just a second. Harvey Weinstein was such a notable predator that he was talked about in 30 Rock. When he did an interview with Howard Stern, they talked about, and Weinstein very sheepishly tried not to talk about, his vaunted reputation as a stupor of young starlets to help them get ahead. That's what Gavin Newsom's wife did. But that's not bad. I mean, she was just trying to get hers. Gavin Newsom is a lying sack of you-know-what. And I don't know what that is on the right. Maybe it's the Joker. But that's a pretty good side-by-side. Next! Without freedom of speech, we wouldn't know who the idiots are. Boy, is that true. Holy cow. Holy cow. 
why? If you look, better to be better to be silent and to be seen as an idiot than to open your mouth and confirm their suspicions or something like that. Look, every time our politicians open their mouth, they're lying. Joe Biden was raised in the Catholic or er, Black or er, Puerto Rican or er, I don't know what else church. He was. I got to tell you, Joe Biden lies every single time he opens his mouth. So does Donald Trump, I'm sure, but at least Trump's policies were good. We can't tell the idiots. You know what? You know what? Twitter i.e. X, I'll always call it Twitter, has done. It's let us know who the dumbasses are. You know what 24-7 media has done? It's let us know who the dumbasses are, and I'm thankful for it. And you can include me in that. I've learned that my grammar is off. I've learned that I tweet like I text. I just put words. I don't worry about commas, exclamation points. And people always pointed out, maybe I'm one of the dumbest. Was that three? I think that was three. All right, ladies and gentlemen, a couple of last, last things. I'm officially declaring this the last day we discuss whether Florida State was screwed or not. I am putting a doc, a doc no wait, hold on. Unless there is actual legal action, no longer. Will it be discussed that Florida State got screwed? I give you with the NCAA tournament a couple of days. Billis is going to say the seating is wrong. Vitale is going to say they screwed the little guy. Great. Now it's time to move on to the game. That's how the cookie crumbles. We move on. We get going. We don't worry about the past. So this is the last day. I will not be posting emails about Florida State getting screwed. I will not be talking about Florida State getting screwed. It is time. Bowl week is starting in, uh, next week, and I am here for it. Last, last, last thing. Hey, Florida. Hey, Florida. Crazy people live here. People come here for freedom. You know why I wouldn't live in Florida as we sit here right now? Don't have DraftKings. They'll have points back. They'll have FanDuel. I'm on this phone. I got the sack attack giving me greatness. And I can't bet it. What? How is it possible that the craziest of all states, the place where you can go to see the tape, upstairs, disco, the place is a grocery store, the greatest grocery store you'll ever see, restaurants in it, bars in it, Disco upstairs. My wife and her friend Jamie were dancing with the geriatrics the other day. One guy, true story, he's like 85. He wanted to dance with pretty women. So he danced with Lee. He he danced with he danced with Jamie. And guess what? He started bleeding because he's old and his skin was thin. Apparently, in Florida, according to Nick. You got to use the Hard Rock app. Friend of mine texts me and said, Saturday, Sunday, you can use the Hard Rock app. All right, I guess I'll use the Hard Rock app. That's cool. 
I ain't mad about it. We'll see if they'll give me. But how is Florida not the state for all the sports gambling? Every app should be available. Everything should be open here. Are you kidding me? How is Indiana, the great state of Indiana, where we think we're still Quakers, well, we thought we were still Quakers until about three or four years ago, when, or maybe it's longer than that now, maybe eight to 10 years ago, when we finally decided to give you alcohol on Sunday. Think about that. How is Indiana ahead of Florida when it comes to sports gambling? It's damn near impossible, but we are, and I don't get it. Here's another last, last, last thing. Sohei Otani. Everybody wants Sohei Otani. All I want for Christmas is Sohei Otani on the Cubs. Why? Do I think it's going to put the Cubs over the top as a playoff team? Hell yeah, I do. But I want interest. You know me. I want to say, hey, look. I can't wait for this Cub game to come on. Why? Otani's pitching. Otani's batting. Otani's playing first. I don't know. I just want Otani on the Cubs because I want appointment TV. The other day, a writer named Bob Nightingale, a very respected baseball writer, came out and said, interest from Otani has waned on the Cubs. And he named other teams. Well, Jeb Hoyer, has decided, no, 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 uh-uh, uh-uh. We're not having that in Chicago. We're Chicago. We don't take a back seat. We don't stand back. We don't have interest wane. When interest wanes in Chicago, you know what we do? We spend more. We give a bigger contract. We're the third largest market in Major League Baseball. So he, Jeb Hoyer, had stern words apparently, for Bob Nightingale. Now, here's the problem for Jeb Hoyer. Jeb Hoyer, Bob Nightingale, isn't the only one that is reporting this. My good friend Jesse Rogers, ESPN Chicago Cub reporter, reported the same stuff. Now, Jesse's a badass. I think Bob Nightingale is probably 172 years old. Jesse Rogers is a bad mother. Jesse Rogers is a good dude. Guarantee you Jeb Hoyer ain't coming after Jesse Rogers. He'll stick with the fight that he can handle. But I don't care about all of it. I like that Hoyer tried to defuse this. I like that Hoyer came out and had stern words. I want the Cubs involved. Now, look, you and I, we've never seen Sohei Otani in a playoff game. And coming to the Cubs ain't exactly like going to the Yankees under Joe Torre or the Red Sox. It ain't quite other Theo Epstein or even the Cubs under Theo Epstein. It ain't quite the same thing. But I like the fact that Bob Nightingale reported it. I like the fact that Jeb Hoyer came after it because I like angst. Last, last, last thing. Good for my Hoosiers. Where is it, right here? Yeah. Good for my Indiana Hoosiers. See, a lot of idiots on here and Twitter and elsewhere think I hate Indiana. No. I love Indiana basketball. Indiana basketball is a part of my soul. So I feel, after being there 17 years, playing there, one of only two-time captains under Bob Knight, that I have earned the right to speak honestly, unfanboyish, and be critical of Indiana University. And frankly, over the years, Indiana University has given me a lot to be critical of. But 
I told you this before, and I'm going to tell you this again. Indiana's got a good basketball team. Yes, I know they struggled against various teams, but I don't care. It's what happens when you're playing new guys. It's what happens when you lose a couple veteran guys like Jackson Davis and Race Thompson. But the best thing to happen to Indiana was losing J uh, Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson. Thompson couldn't score. Right? Jackson Davis has a face that you're just like, yeah, okay, I don't trust him as a leader. Also helped Indiana that Xavier Johnson was out. Xavier Johnson is not good enough to have the ball in his hands as much as Xavier Johnson has the ball in his hands. Ball needs to go to guys that can actually play, not that put up certain numbers at certain times. Life is good when Indiana is good. College basketball is good when Indiana is good, and we're going to be the place for you to come for, for real college football talk. I'll give you some college basketball talk. I'll give you something. This is Armando Baycott. 6'11", what looks like a girl. Does. He's got his hair. He, 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 no. He needs to get serious. He's the kind of guy that gets you fired. Good enough to get you fired. You're going to hear it a lot. What does that mean? That means the athletic director comes in today, Bubba Cunningham, and says to Hubert Davis, hold on. We got Baycott back. You wanted all this money. Cormac Ryan from Notre Dame. You wanted all this money. And you can't beat a team in UConn who lost a bunch of dudes from a national championship team, you got Armando Baycott. I don't know what he had last night, and I don't care. I guarantee you he had 10 rebounds, 20 points. Baycott don't win your game. Good enough to get you fired is real. Dylan, you're a stud. Ryan, you're awesome. Nick and Nick can't ask for anybody better to go to bat with every single day. Haley, thank you. Uh, don't forget the Outkick store. Beth the Booker, you're unbelievable. Aaron, thank you. Gary, you the man. Katie, Dankeschen. The Outkick store is better than ever, so if you want to rep Outkick head to toe, go to shop.outkick.com. Limited time when you buy one item, you get another item 50% off. All you got to do is visit shop.outkick.com. Add the items to your cart. The discount will automatically be applied. Don't drop the ball. Don't drop the ball in this office. What are you doing? Score 50% off while you can. Outkick store. Shop.outkick.com. See you tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. Have a wonderful afternoon.